Welcome to our Sunday Sermon Podcast with City Harvest AG Church. Wherever you are in life, we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Here at City Harvest, we believe in the undiluted Word of God and the teachings here will enhance your understanding of the Scripture and will help you grow and mature as a Christian. So we hope and pray that you will be blessed by this sermon. Today's sermon is brought to us by Pastor Shine Thomas. Do you know that Christians are the largest religious groups in the world? 31% above of the world population are Christians and still today Christians are the largest religious groups in the world. It's estimated that there are 2.6 billion Christians in the world today. And the growing number of Christians are growing, especially Christianity is growing in Africa and Asian countries. In our nation, Christianity is growing in a very big way. And out of the 2.6 billion uh, Christians around the world, it's a reality that not all Christians go to church. But services, real church service around the world, it say that, 50% or to 55, 45 to 55%, some 1.3 billion people attend church on a given Sunday. Around the world today, as you are sitting over here, you're taking time and come to church. Around the world, just getting into a church to worship are 1.3 billion people, plus the people who are worshiping online. And that is a huge statistics. That means people are flooding churches because that's the only place in this world that is hope and that will last forever. Do you know that the FIFA World Cup 2018, which was conducted in Russia, had the final match of the FIFA World Cup, had an online and the world viewership of 1.12 billion viewers. So the greatest event on planet, the FIFA World Cup finals, does not have as much as attendance as a morning Sunday morning attendance where people go to church worldwide and worship Jesus as Lord. That means almost the population of India, the second largest populous country in the world, very soon to beat China. Almost the population of India, that's the amount of people flooding to churches worldwide on a given Sunday. So the question is, why go to church? Why church? Why do so many people go to church? And that's the journey that we are starting. And it is a series that I'm going to preach uh, in the coming days to look at. Today is just an introductory message. And in the days to come, we will look at how the New Testament church conducted themselves. So today we are going to look at the biblical vision of church. What is church? The picture of church in the scripture and what are the benefits of going to church? Do you know that the very first mention of the word church was through the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ? It was not a human plan. Church was not a human plan. Church was the divine plan of God. Even while Jesus was living in this world, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 19, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? 
Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Look at the word church. Jesus said, on the confession of Peter. It's not on Peter the church is built. Christ is the cornerstone. It is built on Christ. But on what the church is built? When like Peter, when the people of this world will confess that Jesus is the Messiah, he died for the church and he redeems people. The moment you confess on that confession, Jesus builds the church. So the church is started, uh, the theme was started by God even before the foundations of this world and Jesus spoke about the church uh, talking to his disciples. So now, what does the church mean? What does the church mean? The Greek word for the church, scholars say, is ecclesia, which means called out. Somebody say called out. Amen. We are called out of the world for a purpose. Uh, in the New Testament, the called out or the ecclesia is used some 114 times and is translated as church, gathering or assembling of the saints together. And the early Christians saw themselves as being called out of the world. Romans chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus. So when we are called from our various backgrounds into the body of Christ, we are called by Jesus for what? To belong to Jesus Christ. Okay, we not only call to belong to Jesus, verse 7 says, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. So there is a purpose for the calling. There's a purpose for church. To be holy, set apart, called out of the world. We live in the world, but we live in holiness by the grace of God. We are called to be holy people in this world. The Bible addresses the church as both universal church and local church. The concept of the church is the larger body of Christ, the people of God worshipping around the globe, even before us and people after us. And this is the worldwide church. And the Bible has verses to that in Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning and the firstborn. In other words, talking about generalized way of mentioning church. The worldwide body of Christ. We are not just church sitting over here. We are church connected with the worldwide body of Christ. Starting from the Lord Jesus Christ. The foundation laid by the apostles. And every believer who has confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. Becomes a part of the worldwide church. Remember, when we are sitting in this local church, we are not just a part of this local church. We are a part of the worldwide called, selected community of God, redeemed out of this world to live a holy life and to live for God. So that is the concept of the universal church of God. 
Praise God for that. But as much as we are a part of the universal church of God, we are also called to be part of a local body of Christ. And that's why we are gathering here this morning, various parts of Bangalore. You have traveled far distances, have come this morning to be a part of the local body of Christ. And look at the writings of the New Testament. Paul writing to Corinthians chapter 1 and his verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth, that is a local body of Christ. As much as we are a part of the universal church of God, we also need to be an integral part of a local body of Christ. That's where we exercise our faith. That's where we are trained for holiness. That's where we are trained for witnessing about of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 16 and is verse 5. Greet also the church that meets in their house. Whose house? The house of Aquila and Priscilla. So there is a concept of the universal church of God. And in the New Testament, there's a concept of a local body of Christ where people come together on a Sunday morning, on a Friday, or any day of the week and gather and worship for making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we do in the local church? And that's what we are going to uh, discuss and see next week onwards, a little bit of in detail. What does a local church do? Why do we assemble as a local church? And the pattern that I'm going to take is from the early church in Acts of the Apostles and what did they do and what is the emphasis of a local church? Come with me. When the first met, church met together, this is what they did. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42, those who accepted this message, what happened? The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Peter got up and he spoke the gospel. The gospel has the power to transform people's lives. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the gospel is preached, it convicts people of their sin and people accept the message of the gospel. So those who believed the gospel, the God, those who believed that Jesus came in flesh and died for us and rose again, they were baptized. So the New Testament church believed in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. And the moment people believed, because it's a convicting gospel, it is a gospel that can transform humanity. It's a life-giving gospel and people believe the gospel. Such people were led to the baptism in, as a public confession of their faith and baptized in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. And what happens to such people? And about 3,000 were added. Where were they added? Chapter 2 verse 41. Where were they added? They were added to the local church. They were added to the church at Jerusalem. 3,000 were added. In the local church. So in other words what happens? We believe the gospel. We are baptized. And after that we enter into the universal body of Christ. As well as the local body of Christ. And I think Peter and his friends had a lot of work to do. 3,000 people just added to the church. And the task was enormous to disciple people. And they just were not added. It was not just a club for them to meet and talk about something. But they did something intentionally because until they believed the message of the gospel, they were living for the world and they were living in the world according to the worldly ways. Now that they have believed the gospel message and this is life-giving message, this is a new way of life that Christ has given to us. They got baptized as a public proclamation and now they had to be trained as a learning, a lifetime learning to be living in the new way of life that Christ has died for us. And that's why we need church. Church does not get over if you're baptized and then you come for your wedding and you come for Christmas, you come for New Year and Easter. It's not church. 
you need to be connected to the church and that's what the new testament church did verse 42 they devoted themselves what is devotion for us we will look at it next week very interesting and what was the devotion to the apostles teaching so now that they have come to the church there is a devotion together and that devotion was in the teachings of the apostles and to fellowship and breaking of the bread and prayer Look at the things that the New Testament church did. These are the things that enable them to grow and learn as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you stop with your baptism, it's not happened. If you are baptized and you're joining a church, these things have to follow so that there is a progress in our sanctification, in our salvation, as maturity as believers. And verse 46, every day they continue to meet together. So there is a meeting that happens. There is an intentional meeting for my spiritual journey now and that is quite intentional. And they come together and do certain habits like brushing our teeth is our daily habit for us. We enter into certain habits voluntarily taking time so that we can be built up by the local body of Christ. They meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes so they met at temple courts. It's a huge place where they met and they also met in small groups in their homes with glad and sincere hearts. So there is an intentional working towards the community of Christ for discipleship, in training in righteousness, in truth, holiness. And that is an intentional habits that we form as a church so that we can be good disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we will look at it in detail next week. So this is what the first century church did together. Let me move to some more uh, foundational understanding of what church is and what church is not. Moving forward, what church is not? Church is not a building. Church is not a building. This morning, you would have spoken to each other. Come on, honey, get up. It's time to go to church. And many times when we come to this building, we tell that we are going to church. Church meets in a building, but church is not the building. Church is all of us. Living stones. Every one of us meeting together. And when we meet together, this becomes the church. You understand what I'm telling you? If tomorrow, if we decide to meet in some other place, there is no significance for the place over here. That becomes the church over there because the church is a gathering of saints together. Church is not in the place. Okay? So church is not a building. Jesus did not die for a building. Jesus died for souls. Jesus died for us. And when we as the redeemed community meet together, we become a church. Secondly, church is not a place for entertainment. Oh, the worship was superb and I like the lighting of the church and I like the smoke and that feeling. If we make church as a place for our entertainment on a Sunday morning after working all through the week, you have missed the point of church. Church is not a place where you come for feeling good and have a pep up talk so that it can prepare you motivationally, pep you up for a new week. No, that's not the, the work of church. For that, you can go and listen to some motivational speech or some other places you can find entertainment. But that is not church. Church is not a place for entertainment. And if people come to church to be entertained, they have far diluted the value and the meaning of the church. And thirdly, church is not a place for man's business. We don't come here for our personal motives and personal businesses. 
This is a place where God's business takes place. In the process of sanctifying each and every one of us. Preparing us as a holy bride for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is all about Jesus. The church is all about glorifying Jesus and lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. And anything other than that does not fit into the New Testament definition of church. Now why is church important? Why is the church so important and emphasized in the Bible, especially in the New Testament? Number one, Jesus died for his church. It's not that the leader did hard work for the church. We are all instruments. No, the person who gave the prize so that we can come and meet together over here and look at people broken and they receive Jesus and they live in the new way of life and they have peace and they join together in worshipping not because of the worship team not because of the pastor or the leaders over here not because of the strategies of the people in the leadership it is just because Jesus Christ paid the price for the New Testament church the church is all about Jesus not about personalities Jesus died for his church in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, it is Christ who loved the church and gave himself up for her. And why did he do that? Verse 27, to present her to himself. He died for us so that we can present ourselves to Jesus as a radiant, somebody reflecting the nature of Christ. No, the more we come to church, the more we finish fellowship, we should become the radiance of Christ. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This is the purpose of the church. So that Christ will be radiant through our lives and we will get holy and holy as the days go by. So Jesus died for the church and that's why the church is important. Number two, the church is important because the church will last forever. Okay, your job will not last forever. But every time we have time to go to our job, your business will not last forever. Your health will not last forever. Your job will not last forever. Your family will not last forever. If there is one entity on earth that will last forever, that is the bride of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that lasts forever. So that's where we should be putting our attention to and our time to because here is something that is not only for this world, it will last forever. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 and 11. Look at the eternity of God's people. His intent was now that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose. Look at that eternity related to the church that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Jesus Christ and church is forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. The church lasts forever. 
When you tell that you are part of a local body of Christ, you must know that this body of Christ is not temporary. And I am with the universal body of Christ, but I exercise my faith in this local body of Christ. And this is a community that is going to be with me forever and ever until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Cannot be separated. 1 Thessalonians 4.17, talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, we will be, who are the we? The church. We will be with the Lord forever. So church lasts forever. And thirdly, Jesus is the central focus of the church. And that's why church is important. Who is the central focus of the church? Jesus. Not the worship leader. Not the senior pastor. Not any member of the church. It all glory and honor of a local church has to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, I know that it is a sad reality and statistics around the world. A lot of churchgoers are not going to church anymore. And there are various reasons for that. And one of the reasons is that because some people are hurt from church, right? Let me tell you, my dear friends, we are all in flesh. Nobody is perfect. We are a family. Let me ask you, you husband and wife, do you ever fight? Do you ever fight? Do you ever have differences? Does that mean that you fight with your husband and you walk out of the house? No. We are all redeemed husbands and wives and we still have differences and we know how to sort it out. But when it comes to church, people take offense and hurt. There is nothing in a local church that cannot be discussed and solved in love. But for that, we need humility and we need to work. But there comes a time where church can become abusive. And if that's the case in your life, it's a time. Maybe many of you are looking at me online. If the church has become abusive, ministers of God become abusive, it's time to leave the local church. Not because of certain pity problems or something like that. But I don't want to get into the realm of the abuse of ministers and abuse of church. That's why I told you it is there in the outline. I've gone through a lot of researches where people are hurt through churches and some are people's problem and some are the church's problem and some are really the problem of the ministers of God and the church community where the abuse of people happens because of personality traits, because of uh, uh, hero worship, because of submissiveness. There are many things. And if you want to know what is an abusive church, you can go to that message and see I've given 10 lists, 9 to 10 lists of to identify whether the church that you are attending is an abusive church or an abusive community or not. And if it is an abusive community, if you find those traits, I think that's not the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a personality driven kind of church where people have been abused and used for one person's gain. Okay, so let me move forward from that. Jesus, church is important because Jesus died for his church. Secondly, the church will last forever. And thirdly, Jesus is the central focus of the church. Now, the New Testament is full of metaphors or pictures of church. Okay, I want to bring to you some pictures of the church in the scripture. Okay, number one. What is the first picture? I want you to pictureize those relationships and understand how we are connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, the church is God's flock. We are God's flock, not human property. 
Psalm 23, the Old Testament theme also runs through the same way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And then come to New Testament, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Paul's word here is telling keep watch over God's flock. So whose people are we? We are God's flock, God's sheep. First Peter chapter 5 verse 2, talking to the pastors and overseers, Peter says, be shepherds of God's flock. So whom does the church belong to? Every one of you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody's property, nobody's monopoly. You belong to God and you and I, together with you, we are God's flock. Can I hear an amen church? Amen. Jesus Christ compared the church to a flock in the Bible and the shepherd. Who is the chief shepherd? Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd who gave his life for the church. And what does the shepherd do for the sheep? What does this great shepherd do for the sheep? John chapter 10 verse 15. I am the good shepherd, said Jesus. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So he has given his life. The shepherd has given his life for us. And what does he do? John chapter 10 verse 28. Because he has given us his life, I give them eternal life. Through Jesus' death to the flocks of God sitting over here and worldwide flocks, Jesus gives us eternal life so that they shall never perish. So every Sunday when we come together, it is a renewal of our salvation experience. It is a renewal of our fellowship and communion with God and God's family. And no one will snatch them out of my hand, said Jesus. So how does the sheep respond to the shepherd? How are we supposed to respond to the shepherd? John chapter 10 and his verse 4. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. As a sheep, we are supposed to know the voice of God through the word of God and to follow Jesus Christ to learn, to be disciples, to be taught by God, to follow him. John chapter 10 verse 27. My sheep, Jesus said, listen to my voice. I know them. There is a personal relation between Christ and the flock. Every one of us. Okay. Jesus knows us individually and we know him and we follow him. So the church is God's flock. The second example uh, picture is church is Jesus's bride. Like a husband and a wife, we are picturized, the church, the universal church is picturized as a bride preparing for her marriage. Come to Revelation chapter 19 and is verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So the duty of the church is to make ourselves ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in glory to come and be with his church is picturized in the Bible like a wedding banquet where the bridegroom comes and we need to prepare ourselves with the spirit of God, with the word of God, equip ourselves to be holy, called, set apart from the world to unite with our bride, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What a wonderful calling of the church. 
and what the bridegroom desires his bride the church to be we already read in ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 to 27 to present us to himself as a radiant church verse 27 without stain wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless so if we are in the process of preparation for the coming of the lord jesus christ or until our death in the preparation of to be radiant to reflect christ and to be holy and acceptable in the sight of God. So church is Jesus's bride. And thirdly, the church is Jesus's body. Can you imagine? Now it is coming even closer. He is the head and we are his body. Parts of the body of Christ. See how closely knit Christ is with us. And we are to one another. That is the body of Christ. It's not that you come to a body of Christ and you don't have fellowship with anybody. We are knit with each other and connected to Jesus. He gives us a command in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Who are you? The Corinthian church. You are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Can you imagine the connection over here? The relationship over here among believers. Blood relatives may not stand forever. But we are bonded by the blood of Jesus. And this bond and this unity is a forever unity. Amen. So we are the body of Christ. Colossians 1.18 And he is the head of the body. Christ is the head of the body. The church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy. Right. The reason we are a part of the body is to give glory to the head which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. If you are sitting here today at this local church at City Harvest, who has placed you? God has placed you over here. You have not come here by your own choice. Maybe there was a decision that you had to make to come to City Harvest and to be, be a part of this body. But it is not a human choice. It is God in his divine wisdom has joined you in this local body to be prepared, to be discipled, to be holy and to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 18. In fact, God has placed the parts in the body. Every one of them, every one of you, every child over here, every adult over here, God has placed you over here just as he wanted them to be. Right, the parts of the body are different. They look different. But they're all joined together. And, but we all have one common bond in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we were all baptized with one spirit so as to form one body. There is a unity that happens over here. You may be from different language, different tribe, different parts of the world. But the spirit of God unites us. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. We were all given the one Holy Spirit to drink. We are united in the body of Christ. And we are united in the Holy Spirit of God. Can I hear an amen church? Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 24 to 25. But God has put the body together. Given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts have equal concern for each other. So when I'm a part of this church body. What God expects about me is to be concerned about each other. Many times we are self-centric right. 
and we are trained to be other centric in the church that self centeredness goes and when we come to the church and when we are discipled our concern is no more us but it is other centric body of the lord jesus christ and connected to the lord jesus christ okay moving forward fourth point the church is god's house or god's household see how beautifully paul has given us and various writers have given us various ways to understand how important and connected a church is in paul writing to timothy in first timothy chapter 3 verse 15 if i am delayed you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in god's household and what is god's household which is the church this is god's house god's property and what is god's household doing which is the church of the living god the pillar and foundation of the truth so in this world where will you find the pillar and foundation of god's truth in the church can a building stand without a foundation yes or no no can a building stand tall building can stand without a pillar no the pillar and foundation of our christian faith is in the church and who is in the cornerstone and the foundation we are building on the foundation of jesus as a cornerstone and the foundation built by the apostles and prophets that's what the bible says and we are all joined together as living stones and christ dwells in this body and without a local body of christ there is no pillar there is no foundation for our christian faith christian faith is not a solo faith christian faith is a community faith amen the church of the lord jesus christ is a house and in ephesians chapter 2 was 19 to 22 consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with god's people and also members of his household so we are fellow citizens if you are out if you go outside of india you know and you meet an indian over there you want to align with that person because you share values you share culture you share food we are fellow citizens in this world we are going to our secular job praise god we are living in an apartment or a villa praise god for that but when we come over here there is a special bonding because we are fellow citizens of heaven look at that verse again consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with god's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone in him the whole building is joined together the whole church is joined together in whom in Christ and rises to become a holy temple in the lord now today we can find many kinds of churches where is a personality driven church everything about the church is about pleasing that personality and is about all that personality that is not a new testament model church that's a gathering that's why we cannot call all gathering as church because in church it's all about jesus it's not about a person it's all about everybody being joined together in the lord jesus christ and we are the living stones peter says first peter chapter 2 verse 5 you are also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus christ a disorganized pile is of no use a stone which is not connected to one another is of no use 
but when the stones are organized and built it is of use and we are called to organize supplement one another and built into a temple of god a, a household where god resides in us and finally that's where it's coming to church is god's temple in 1 corinthians chapter 6 paul talks about my body don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the holy spirit so our bodies are the temple of the holy spirit the spirit of god is no more in the temple in jerusalem which is destroyed no more in the tabernacle the spirit of god now resides in god's people our bodies become individually the temple of the living god and when we come together small 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 temples coming together we become a large temple of the living god can you imagine this is a temple of god right now and the jesus is right over here because he's already in us and when we all come together his presence is mightily felt and sensed in this place come to first corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 to 17 don't you know that you yourselves are god's temple who is that you yourselves the corinthian church is a plural over there the church is god's temple and god's spirit dwells in your midst so when we come and worship god whose spirit is over here God's spirit is over here and if anyone destroys God's temple God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together and the temple of God okay now moving forward i'm coming to the end of this introductory message next week we will really get into acts chapter 1 and acts chapter 2 and see what the new testament church was what are the benefits of church why do we need church Why do we need church? Why do you need to come to church? Today I don't feel like going to church. But why do you need church? But still I will get up and go to church. Have you ever thought why you need church? Number one, the church family helps me focus on God. Write down that. The church family helps me focus on God. Now you are Monday to Saturday in a secular world. a world where you have problems trials difficulties challenges targets to meet pain losses joys things of this world and many times we do not have enough time to focus ourselves on god because we are surrounded with so many people and if you do not have a regular uh, life of understanding and meditating on the scripture speaking to somebody and having accountability in your christian lives we can go off focus and that's what we call backsliding right being a church member being a baptized member totally focused in the worldly affairs not having anything to do with the church but when we keep coming to church on a sunday basis at least to start with on a sunday it takes away all the focus from our job our stress and everything and it enables us in this time to refocus all our attention back to the lord who died for us amen Do you know that it plays a very important role when you come over here and give your time to the Lord Jesus Christ you are intentionally carving out time to refocus your attention especially at the start of the week to Jesus Christ and him alone and you see the new testament church they went through persecution they went through trials they went through deaths and in spite of that they continued to meet together and they read the apostles letters and what the letters tell us focus on god be like christ don't worry this momentary trials are for a little while in a short time christ is coming so in the midst of all that is happening outside 
This is a moment for us to refocus our attention to eternity and Christ and to live for Christ. So church family helps me focus on God. Secondly, the church family helps me face life's problems. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. And you see the scripture of the New Testament. They constantly met together in fellowship. And fellowship is one of the aspects that I will be touching on when we look at the New Testament church because there is fellowship in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 onwards. I do not want to dwell on it much but church is a support group for believers when you go through tough times knowing that you have a support in the church. You know I meet a lot of people in the office at homes and people come and share their stories with me. Recently there was a brother who was going through a divorce and he came and spoke to me and I gave him the time. And just two days before that, another brother, his wife has filed for divorce. He came to me. Same story, similar kind of this thing. So what I told these two brothers is that I will connect both of you. You have more to care for one another than a pastor can do because you're going through the same situation. And there is support group available for any situation in the church. Knowing that we are all people broken and we have all gone through various life experiences. And there is a solution, there is an encouragement and prayer partners available. And for that, we need to intentionally carve out time for fellowship. One of the complaints of major church goers, this is research. Okay, around the world, they say that when I was in a problem, the church did not do anything for me. And then the question comes, did you vocalize your problem? You know, when we go through a challenge in life, a situation or painful situation, the devil wants us to isolate, not talk to anybody, to keep away from everybody. Okay, and then they say, the church did not reach out to me when I was going through the problem. The question I want to ask you is, did you reach out to the pastor? Did you reach out to the carousel leaders? Did you reach out to your worship pastor that uh, there is a problem? And there is support available and you need to be open and we need to be open to come to you. So church is a place for facing life's problems. It's a place for fellowship. We will look at that in detail in the coming weeks. And thirdly, church is a place where believers are built up in their faith. Right? It's not an entertainment. It's not come to have a feel like I've come to church. But you're coming here on a Sunday morning for your faith to grow. To hear God's word and to build up your faith. Okay? Come to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 26. What then shall we say brothers and sisters when you come together? Each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation a tongue or an interpretation, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So who is the church? You and I. So we do everything so that the church builds up God's people. Church is a place where believers are built up in their faith. And fourthly, church prepares us for God's work. If I am standing over here, that means a lot of churches have invested on me to prepare me for God's work. World statistics says in the metropolitan cities, uh, especially in the top cities where people are coming and moving, coming and moving, on an average, 
If you are not a localite in that area, if you do not have your own house, a person spends five years in a metropolitan city. And the average says that you have two and a half years of a family. So if you are from another part of India and you are here for a study or you are here for any job, you are here only for an average two and a half to five years. Because after that, life will take its turn and you may move out to a different city and you may go outside the country. But the point is, in this two and a half years, if you can get involved in the church and if we can invest on you, you are equipped so that wherever you go, we are happy so that you can continue the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you come over here, maybe some of your students, some of our research people, I know we had some coming from IAC research students. Some of you are coming from Christ University or you are software engineers, you are coming here for a deputation or government employees. Allow yourself to be built by the church. And in this season, you equip yourself for the ministry so that wherever you go, the name of the Lord is glorified and the kingdom of God is built up. Are you with me, church, this morning? Yes? Can I hear a bigger amen? Amen. Now, I want to conclude this morning by telling that New Testament church is driven by discipleship. Making disciples of all nations. Look at Jesus' words uh, after his resurrection. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, resurrected Jesus, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. So we are all disciples of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what are the disciples doing? And teaching them. So we are disciples and the disciples are taught and disciples are learners. So the church is driven by discipleship. That's the very purpose of coming to church. Not just that I come on a Sunday, I finish my one and a half hours and I've gone. No, you are allowing the Lord to disciple you through the method of the church which God has put. And so that you are continuously taught. We will work on what is this discipleship. When you become a disciple. And who is a disciple? God willing next week itself we will look at that. Who is a disciple? When you become a disciple. And what is the lifestyle of a disciple? We will look at that. So what is the main task of the commission given over here? To baptize. To preach. And to make disciples. And disciples are constantly taught in the word of God. And they become the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You heard what a church is like. Many of you, majority of you belong to this church. Some of you are visitors. But let me ask you, are you connected to your local church? Do you feel connected over here? Church is not just happens just when you come, sing, preach, hear the message and go off. There is a bigger thing. Church is not a large gathering. Beyond that, there is a connection among people. Come intentionally to be discipled, to connect with others. And when others are weak, you disciple them. And others are strong, you get discipled. And it is not only the work of Pastor Shine or anybody over here. Every one of us are called to be connected to this body of Christ, to this temple of God, and to this bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have work to do. 
we have much to gain lot of discipleship that is needed so that we can become a vibrant community in the city of bangalore bringing glory to the name of the lord jesus christ